Well, again, I just want to say how good it is to be with you today, whether you're in this room or whether you're online. Um, we just love you and uh, hope that you're doing all right. And so today, we've for, for a while now, really all, all year, we've been talking about what it means to be the church, what it means to be the bride of Christ, wanting to grow to be more like the church that you see in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit built the church through the disciples, becoming the church that is filled with the Holy Spirit that consistently filled his people with boldness to complete the Great Commission. The Great Commission that says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ's command to the church was that we make disciples, that we teach those disciples to obey all of Christ's command. And there's this expectation that as Christ's disciples, we need to be learning from Jesus because that's sort of what a disciple does. And not only are we learning, but that we're taking what we are learning and coming alongside one or two people to help teach them to obey everything that Christ commanded. And I can tell you, after being a pastor now for almost 18 years, which seems crazy, is that when you're teaching people, that's some, some of the times that you do the best learning. So you need to be coming alongside people. It, Jesus didn't say, you know, okay, you people that are pastors or are gonna be pastors someday, make disciples. He gave that command to all of us that it's not just me that should be teaching. He gave the command that we should all be teaching people to obey Christ's commands. So we all need to be learning, but my question is, over the past three months, what have you learned? What's God talked to you about in the past three months? How has God changed your heart in the past three months? What has God taught you as you've navigated this thing called COVID-19? Since the last time we met together for service, which if you're here in the building today, was three months ago I, when I put, made my order of service. The last date I had on an order of service was 3-8, so almost exactly three months. So in the past three months, how has God changed you? Since the last time we met, what's God taught you about yourself or about Jesus or about family or about work or about God's provision? What has God taught you? And more importantly, how has that changed you? And whatever that is, however God has changed you in the past three months, in the past week, I want to encourage you today to hold on to what God has taught you through this time. That as we move forward, as things slowly get back to something resembling normal, don't forget what you've learned. 
Don't forget what you've been taught. Because my concern is that slowly, over time, we'll just kind of slide back into what we've always done. That we don't really make any lasting changes in our lives based on what we've experienced or what God has taught us. That we'll forget what we learned. Because when you don't change anything, nothing changes. I had that conversation with, with a lady this week. Or, that She do, so desperately wants for her life to change, but she's not really interested in changing anything in her life. She has a, a terribly hard time breathing. She has COPD, congestive heart failure. And for, for me to walk, from here to the first row of chairs for her, she would be bent over, sucking in air, trying to breathe. She really wants that to change, but she's not really ready to give up cigarettes yet. If you don't change anything, nothing changes. And I think we can all pretty clearly see that God's been up to something the last few months. That God's been doing things that he's maybe really, if you haven't figured it out now, maybe trying to open our eyes up to some things. Maybe to get us to change some things in our life. But if we don't change anything, we'll just end up in a place that looks like a place we've already been or worse. And I'll show you what I mean we can learn a lesson from the Israelites. And I, in fact, I talked about this lesson a few weeks ago in one of my midweek devotional things on Facebook. Um, but it starts in Exodus. You have Moses and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And then he leads them through the wilderness. And then because of their lack of faith, he leads them through the wilderness for another 40 years. But in that time, Moses had a right-hand man. He had a guy that he was training to take his place. It really, it was Moses' disciple, Joshua. And so Moses dies, Joshua takes his place, and Joshua leads the people out of the wilderness into the promised land. And then after a whole bunch of battles, the Israelites are finally able to be in the land that God promised them. But then there's a problem because Joshua had nobody that followed him. No one that Joshua had been training like Moses did. Joshua didn't have anybody that he was training to take over for him when he died. And that, that's just a really good leadership principle to think about from the Bible that you need to, and especially as a good leadership principle for all of us who have been commanded to make disciples, that if we don't, if we don't make disciples, if we don't have somebody that we're training up to take our place, then nobody will. And that's what happened with Joshua. He had no successor. He had no one that he had trained. And so in Judges 2.10, it says that after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord 
or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And when we stop making disciples, that's what happens. There's going to be a whole generation that doesn't know. Parents, another thing, you, you need to be teaching and training up your kids so that when you're gone, that they can keep everything going. And so because of that, Israel forgot what God had done. They forgot the manna. They forgot the Red Sea. They forgot the water from a rock. They had forgotten what God said in the Ten Commandments. They had forgotten about God's anger when they built a golden calf right after God had said, make no other gods and have no other gods before me. And so when Joshua died, Israel forgot what God had showed them, what they had learned. And so in Judges 2, 11 to 15, it says that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after the other gods, worshiping the other gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Astareth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. And then you see what happens throughout the book to the Israelites because of their idolatry, that God fought against them. God allowed them to be defeated. And he had warned them over and over and over again and generation after generation after generation. And it says that the people were in great distress. I don't know if we're living in a world full of people with great distress, but I would lean towards yes. I don't know if any of you have been distressed lately. And then it says in chapter 2, verse 16, that the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. And verse 18 says, whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout that judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. So God would turn against them, they would suffer defeat, they would become distressed, but then God in his mercy would raise somebody up to help, to push back against the things that they were fighting and allowed them to have some victory. And the things that were distressing them would slowly go down and they wouldn't have those things distressing them anymore. And things would get a little bit better. Now today is the first day that the building is open back up for worship services. Orders and regulations and recommendations and guidelines, they're slowly being lifted. And as a country and as a world, 
we're slowly getting back to the place of kind of like the Israelites. We don't have to fight as much against this virus. We're being given a little bit more freedom. We're a little less distressed about everything. So we need to learn something where the Israelites didn't. We can't forget about what God has done, what God has showed us and taught us, or we'll end up where we've been. In verse 19, it says, but when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. It says that in their stubbornness, in their pride, they just went right back to all of those things that had become idols. And so then you have this back and forth all throughout the book of Judges. The Israelites go back to their idols. God takes his hand away. They cry out to God. God helps them, gives them relief through a judge. Then the judge dies. Then they go right back to their idols. So God raises up Athenial. Things get better. Athenial dies. Judges 3.2, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Then God raises up Ehud. But Judges 4.1, after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. And again and again and again, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jared, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, Samson, raises them up. They do good for a little bit. The judge dies, and it goes right back. And this is how the book of Judge, Judges ended. This is how their story ends. Judges 21, 25, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Time after time, disaster after disaster, emergency after emergency, they never truly learned. See, when you're doing what is right, what seems right in your eyes, you're not really being a disciple. Because a disciple is one, go back to the Great Commission, who has been taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Think about some of the things we've talked about in the past three months. The importance of fellowship, of somehow being together, whether it's in a church service or connect group or a video call or a meal or somehow outside, socially distant. We talked about following God's commands over your own traditions, being people that are still sharing the gospel, waiting on God and waiting for God to move, trusting God's timing, trusting that whatever is going on in the world, that there's a reason that it's happening now and that we have to trust God in that, that doing, doing the Father's will over what we want, being truly repentant for our sin, caring for other people around us, finding who the least of these are in our life and loving them like Jesus. Not letting our convictions become a stumbling block to other Christians. Serving one another. Being a servant like Jesus and lead by serving. 
not by supposed status. We've been teaching obeying Christ's commands. So what have you learned? What have you learned in the last three months? Not what have you listened to, because you can listen to me say a bunch of stuff. But what have you learned? How has God changed you through it? How are you different than you were three months ago? How has God changed your heart? Maybe today when you get home or if you're home right now, maybe work on a list of how has God changed my heart in the last three months? You know, at the beginning of this, we talked about some of the idols that we see in our culture. Things like sports and movies and busyness. And your kids' sports and busyness. And entertainment. And money and jobs and education and time with friends and family and health and being comfortable and in control. All of these things that maybe we had a higher priority on than we should have. All of these things that because of COVID that, that we just sort of stopped in our, in God stopped us in our tracks and maybe we took a step, step back and said, you know, maybe that was a little bit too close to where God should be. That we looked at it and said, you know, that was maybe taking more of my time and energy and passion that maybe God was getting my time and my energy and my passion. And so maybe God slowed us down so we could take a look at that and so that we could repent of that, to confess to God that we'd done wrong, that, that some of that stuff we had had our priorities out of whack, that, that we had elevated it too high so that we could confess that to God and then turn and go in the opposite direction. But the question is, did you? It's interesting, I hear so many people talking about how they wanna get back to normal how people want to get back to the way things were. That we want to get back to life before we had this coronavirus. And I understand what you're saying. I, there are plenty of things that I want to, I want to just be done with and, and this season I want it to end. And we're getting there and we will at some point, at least to an extent, But here's the concern. With as much talking that we're doing about wanting to get back, are we going to end up like the Israelites? In our, in our rush to get back to our old life and ways of doing things, are we going 
to get back and, and go back to some of the idolatry and some of the wrong, wrong motives and, and, and wrong priorities. Because in Judges 2.19, it says that they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. I'm worried that as much as we want to get back to life the way it used to be, is it because that there's a part of us that wants to get back to all the idols and life like we knew it before things changed? Have we really repented? Or did we just stop for a time because we had to? Have we been changed? Or maybe I should say it this way. Have we changed anything? Or do we just end up back in the exact same place again? And I'll give you a really good example of that. Look at where we found ourselves as a country again. A black person is dead. A white person is responsible. And there's rioting and anger and racism. And once again, we're right back to where we were. No matter how old you are in this room or online, how many times have we ended up back here? For anybody that's watching, in 1955, Emmett Till. 1968, Martin Luther King. 30 years ago, which I can't believe, Rodney King. And now as a country, we're right back here again. Whether it's God calling us to promote unity in the church or unity in our nation, whether it's God asking to reevaluate where our lives are and our priorities, or reevaluate where our lives are going now as things get back to normal, if we keep going back to life as we knew it, that means we haven't learned anything. And if we're not learning, then we're not being a disciple. Go into the world, make disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. If we're not learning, we're not a disciple. Maybe it's time to stop going back. Maybe it's time at least in some areas of our life, to stop wanting to get back to the way things were. Maybe God is calling us to do something new, something different, something better. We've seen a glimpse over the past few months of what it looks like when God takes his hand away when God allows us to suffer defeat after defeat. 
We've seen what it looks like when God allows us to experience distressing times so that maybe we'll cry out to him. But in the time of judges, Israel would cry out and God, who is rich in mercy, would save. Israel would cry out, but they wouldn't change. In these past months, what have you been doing? Crying out or changing? Judges ends by saying, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Do you have a king? See, it's one thing to say that Jesus is my savior. It's another to say that Jesus is my king. Because without Jesus as your king, your story just ends like the book of Judges with everybody doing what seems right in their own eyes. Without Jesus as your king, You just take your best guess. And let me tell you from experience, doing what you think is right and your best guess will always lead you back to where you've been. Because it's human to go back to what you know. Or we can finally, finally bend our knee and surrender to the kingship of Christ. God has been showing us. I've been doing my best to teach us. We've been listening, but have we been learning? God is calling us to true repentance today. And I believe, in, and in fact, right now, Father, I pray that God's Holy Spirit would just show us what it is that we need to repent of and why we need to repent. Father, repentance is more than just a sin issue. It's a kingship issue. And so, Father, I pray that just once again we would surrender to your kingship. That we would only do what you've commanded. Father, if, if we don't bend our knees in submission, we're going to go back to opposition. And Father, I don't want to be opposed to you. So Father, may we have hearts that are changeable, that we might not go back, but that we might 
join you in doing whatever it is that you're doing. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.